What's up? Hey, I'm super happy that you're here. We're going to get to the show in just a moment. But first, I want to read for you. I want to acknowledge, I want to thank you, Miss Butcher, whose iTunes review is entitled, Sister, I Love You. She said, okay, Shaleen, you did it. You guilt tripped me into writing you a review. Happy birthday. I love you. I love your podcast so much. CarSmart Fridays are my favorite. I'm so happy to hear that because I always wonder like, okay, are these too informal? Do people like this? Because a lot of times I'm talking about what is happening in my life like that day or that week. Anyway, she goes on to say, you have helped me with my family, my life, my style, positive thinking, confidence. Thank you so much, sis. She goes on to say a bunch of other really nice things. It's like two paragraphs long. So thank you so much. Miss Butcher, be sure to check our show notes because we have a little something special, special for you there. And thank you to everyone who's written a review recently. You know, the show's free and I hope it will stay that way. One of the reasons why we're able to keep it free is because we do have show sponsors. Show sponsors, just so you know, I do that very differently. There are many companies that reach out to us asking if they can be sponsors of the show and offering nice financial incentives. But I say no, because I'm like, well, I don't use that and or I don't like that. So I have to be very honest with my audience. And I'm not going to have anything on the show that I don't personally use and have been using for a long time that I know the customer service and that I can stand behind it, right? Because you guys matter very, very much to me. So thank you for writing reviews, number one. Thank you for showing support to our sponsors. They are the ones that make this free. They are the ones that make it possible. It is very few people do five days a week of podcast episodes, and I do so out of a labor of love for you. And so thank you for just making all of that possible. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Today's show is a pretty serious topic. Whether you yourself have had a parent who was an addict or an alcoholic, it doesn't matter because this is an important episode because we're going to talk about codependency, we're going to talk about secrets, we're going to talk about things that may help you to better understand people who are in your life. My prayer is that this lifts the shame, that we can open up a very necessary dialogue. We can normalize, unfortunately, something that happens in so many households, maybe right underneath your nose. It may be happening and you're not even to a point yet where you're recognizing that this is what's happening in your home. Super important topic because it affects likely as many as half of the households here in the U.S. If addiction hasn't already touched your family, there's probably a pretty good chance it has and you're not aware of it or it will in the near future. And that's why this is such an important episode. A little bit of a backstory. So when you call and leave voicemail messages by doing so on my website. You just go to shaleen.com and there's a little widget on the side and you can leave voicemail messages. Sometimes people call and leave their review for the show there. Sometimes you're responding to a question that I've put out into social media and I want to hear your opinions. I want to hear your stories. And more often than not, people will leave a voicemail message there expressing their requests for topics, things that they'd like for us to cover here on The Shaleen Show. And we collect those and we save them So even if you haven't heard your message or your topic, it doesn't mean that we're not going to. We collect them, we save them on Dropbox, and I look through those from time to time to figure out like, okay, so what is my audience struggling with? Or what's a topic that I I haven't explored or that people want to hear more on? And recently I discovered that there was this common theme, people who are adults who struggled with a parent or two sometimes who were addicts. 
either they're alcoholics or addicted to drugs or addicted to something and the impact it's had on them as an adult. Knowing that that was a really important topic and that I wanted to start by talking about alcoholism first because that tends to be the most prevalent, but really addiction is addiction. And knowing that we wanted to find the right expert, myself and my podcast manager, Kristen, started searching, searching for authors of books, looking for people who have who speak on the subject. And frankly, we just couldn't find many, not many that felt like they would be the right fit for you, our lifer. So then we stumbled across a gal on YouTube by the name of Jody Lamb. And Jody had done a really cool series of YouTube videos, really just spoke our language. And I'm like, okay, this is a great resource for us. She's written two books. The first one is a book that she wrote for children of alcoholics, get this, but it's geared toward tweens. Very particular audience. It's written from the perspective of a 12-year-old. The book is entitled Easter Ann Peters, Operation Cool. She's also written a book that's free, which is amazing, and you're going to hear why she did this, that's called Seven Things That Change Everything. We reached out to her, asked her if she would be so kind as to offer her wisdom, advice, and guidance with this very special, important topic this week, and she agreed. Here we go. I found very few books that address that topic. This is the book that would have changed my life when I was a girl, and so I just started writing it, Mm. and it was very cathartic for me. When I was 26, you know, I woke up and I thought, I have no hope for the future. I'm dreading how my life is going, And if I don't do something, I think I'm going to die at a very young age, some way, somehow. So I have to fix me. Were you drinking? I was not drinking. No. You felt that way. And did you know why? I thought that my biggest problem in life was my mother's drinking problem. I felt that that was what blocked my ability to live my life freely. It's very difficult for people to understand this kind of mindset who haven't experienced anything like it. My mother's drinking began affecting me when I was four or five years old, and it became my duty, my responsibility, I felt, to fix her. Mm. And I was wholly focused on that. I did everything that you could imagine a kid could do. I wrote letters, I cried, I begged, and it continued into adulthood. And I just felt like if I could just fix that problem, then I could start my life. Mm. And that's when, and I had no idea that I was actually ill myself Mm. because I had been so close to this problem that wasn't even my own. It's very important for me to have you on the show because most of the topics I discuss, I've been through it. This is a topic I have not experienced. And It came to the surface with my audience. Like a lot of them were leaving messages like, this is the thing I need to deal with. I'm like, I can't address this without the help of an expert. And I wanted someone who they could relate to. As I'd mentioned, there's so few books that have been written on this recently and so few authorities that weren't like, you know, no offense, like 90 years old. And so I'm super excited for you to share your journey with us here. And but you've just got a great series of YouTube videos. That's how I discovered you in our research to find the expert. So thank you for being here, first and foremost. And when you say like, if you've never been through that, you can't understand, I'm fascinated by it. I asked my audience to leave me 
voicemail messages, sharing some of their experiences as children and now as adults. And I want to play some of those for you and see if you can, because I can't shed light on these with firsthand knowledge, but I know you can. You know, I feel so grateful that we are living in 2020 and we have the ability to connect in the way that we can with the internet. I mean, the fact that I'm talking to you right now about this topic is extraordinarily exciting to me. People are understanding that what happened to them as children truly affected them and they're totally normal. And there are resources to help you heal. And as I often say, reprogram your brain. And that's what I've done. And I have over the last 11 years since I recognized I had been so affected as the adult child of an alcoholic, completely changed my life and live in a very healthy way. And I could not have imagined this life I have today 11 years ago. And I have met so many hundreds of fellow adult children of alcoholics of all ages from around the world who have taken their own journey, learned, healed, and reprogrammed their brains and live a life that they couldn't have imagined either. So it's a great time to be an adult child of an alcoholic. What were some of the blessings that have come from and that other ACOA? Yes, Yes. adult child of an alcoholic, ACOA. And do you think that most of the things we're going to talk about will apply to someone who just has an addictive parent? It's been very interesting. I have found that many people who experienced any kind of dysfunction growing up, such as you know narcissistic parents, relate to many of the feelings and experiences that children of addiction have had or children whose parents have had some kind of mental health issue as well. Interesting. So someone who's listening who is a child of a parent who is an addict. What are some of the things that they probably don't realize have become their superpowers? So there are many common traits that adult children of alcoholics share. And in my experience, they are often very compassionate people. So they understand difficulties in a way that maybe others who haven't experienced that. They have a level of empathy and desire to help others. They are extraordinarily determined. So I have met so many successful, healthy, happy people who came from the most difficult, abusive childhood experiences. And it's almost like it drives you to go in the completely opposite direction that your parents did or whomever your loved one was who struggled with this. Wow. Sometimes people have the reaction of, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And obviously, if I could have made my life differently, I would have. But I have had opportunities to connect with people in ways that I probably wouldn't have Mm. if I hadn't experienced that. It is so inspiring to talk to people who have shared a similar story and have overcome it. You really can't ever have a bad day as a grown-up when you've become free because you know what you have experienced as a child. It's almost like you can handle anything. There's so much I want to share. I want to devote a whole week to this. What advice do you have for me so that people are going to go on a journey throughout this week, an order in which to do this, so that I don't leave anybody triggered, I don't leave anybody feeling in despair or feeling shame or judgment? Yes. I love that you're thinking about it in that way. A few months ago, Sesame Street 
introduced a new character on the show that is, I don't know if you read anything about that, but the girl's mother is struggling with addiction. Yeah. That moved me to tears. Does that not represent the change that we have in our culture and our society? How grateful should we all feel that now children today through a medium like Sesame Street are recognizing that they're not alone Mm. and understanding that it's not their fault. It has nothing to do with them. When I was growing up, I thought my family's problem was unique to ours. That's Mm. why I I worked so hard to kind of cover it up because I had no idea that a quarter or more of the kids in my own class were likely going through the same thing as me or much worse. What is the statistic if you know that? So it's between one in four and one in five. There's kind of varying statistics on that today. But that's just for alcoholism. I wonder what addiction is. It's unbelievable. So I And the number of households that don't report it. Like we dealt with addiction in our own home. My husband was addicted to gambling for many years and had I had no idea. I knew something was up, but didn't know what it was. That's not reported anywhere. And then probably in some communities that's much lower than what it actually is. Mm. There are communities in which very few people are not touched by this. Mm. So if we were to plan out the week, right? We've got three opportunities to talk to people about this. Start where and end where? Maybe we could start with recognizing that what happened did really affect you. Mm. Kind of the normalcy of the adult child of an alcoholic syndrome, which is kind of the clinical term for it. And that recognition is so important so that you can move on. Mm. One of the things that I have found is common with people who have experienced any kind of dysfunction growing up is that they really want to just focus on the future and thinking about or talking about what happened to them as children is like looking in the rear view mirror is what they often say that they just want to put it behind them, focus on the future. And it's painful to look back at that. Think about that. For me personally, I had to take time to think about all the memories process it, read all of the books, listen to other people's stories at Al-Anon meetings, and recognize that I had a completely 100% normal reaction to everything that was going on around me. You smiled when you said that. I would imagine for someone listening who hasn't done that work, that sounds so painful, and it probably sounds risky and dangerous. My life right now is being held together. I can manage it. And specifically, I feel better when I don't think about it. And now, Jody, you're telling me to truly find healing. I probably need to go back and revisit and maybe even relive some of those things. Yeah, I think many people would, who've taken that approach, they've kind of blocked it out, that they still have something hanging over them. And they're not quite sure what it is. They might hear from family and friends that they repeat the same types of behaviors or they have many of the common traits of an ACOA. Like there's a whole list of them, a laundry list, as they say. Cool. We're going to get into those. Yes. But they might just recognize that if they spent the time really diving into all of those experiences, that feeling, that nagging feeling would start to dissipate so mm. that you can truly move forward in a way that you might not even believe that you could today. Yeah. Today, I want to start by playing for you some messages that I've received from our audience. See if you can offer us some insight. 
Because I was so young, the problem for me was that I didn't really understand anything that was happening at that time. I didn't understand what rape was. I didn't really understand what violence was. I didn't really understand what alcoholism was. But I lived through it all. And as a teenager and then a young adult, and now at 39, I realized that that wasn't the normal. And I received a lot of help for it. And I'm a much better person for it today and a stronger person. So a common theme I heard from many of the callers was, I didn't know that what I was experiencing was not okay or that it was anything unusual. I just thought this is life. Most of them didn't recognize those things until they were an adult. Yes. And you know, it's it's so interesting listening to fellow ACOAs because it's like they're telling your own story. And that's a very bittersweet feeling. You know, you feel some sense of relief that there are others who share that experience, but then at the same time, you know how painful it is. And so there's some wave of sadness. So mm. I always feel like that when I hear these words. Mm. So yes, it really is all you've ever known, right? You grow up in a family, you get used to the, the patterns and behavior, you don't recognize the impact that it's having on you until many years later. But I'm so glad to hear that that listener has you know, taken that time to really heal and focus on herself and create the life that she wants, because so few don't do that. Yeah. Another common theme I heard throughout almost all the messages was this idea that as a child, I had to fix everything. So I had like this superhero complex growing up, like I had to fix things that were not right. If dad, you know, didn't make it to the holiday party, mom would be sad and I had to make it better. Or he'd show up drunk somewhere and I felt I had to make it better. And as an adult, when I got married, I realized I was still trying to rush back to my, you know, the home I grew up in and make things better. I realized only God could fix his problem and only my father could respond and do the hard work. I stopped showing up every time, you know, mom would call or text me. I would just pray and I would give her some support, but also had more boundaries. I've lived over 40 years of my life feeling responsible for other people, responsible for their feelings, their emotions, their success, their failures. And it's only been through a lot of therapy, I mean, a lot of therapy and a lot of journaling, that I have come to realize that that impacts not only my happiness, but more importantly, how I communicate with others. And it took me a long time to figure out that it's okay to tell people how I feel and I'm not responsible for how they react to the things that I say and that it's not my job anymore to take care of everybody. There is a way out with lots of therapy and lots of practice with partners and friends who will help you navigate that. Oh, I love those comments. <laughs> Are they great? Don't I have a cool job? Yes, absolutely. Yes, what they described is so common with adult children of alcoholics. You become many adults. So by the time I was seven or eight years old, I had really kind of reversed roles with my mother. I was cleaning the house, 
I was cleaning up her messes figuratively and literally. And it's just as those callers described, you feel such an extraordinary sense of responsibility. It's your job to hold things together. You have to step up. It's a very strong feeling. And because you're such a small child, that's your brain is still forming. Mm. You are programming yourself for a lifelong role as everyone's caregiver. Mm. And it's so difficult to overcome that thinking because it becomes who you are. And it's codependency. And it's a powerful thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break. At the top of the show, I mentioned how grateful I am for the show sponsors that we have and how I kind of have a unique way of finding sponsors. And that is, I find something that I love and then I reach out to that company and say, hey, I love what you do. I'm a fan of your products and I talk about them on the show. So why not, you know, join forces and have you sponsor the podcast? I will never recommend something that I don't love. That's why I went to Third Love the bra company, when I was looking for a new sponsor. And the reason why I went to Third Love is because, first of all, when I discovered them, I'm like, how brilliant is this that they offer more than 80 different sizes and half cup sizes? Like, why did that take us so long to figure out? And it's really easy to buy a bra online. All you have to do is take this super simple quiz. It takes less than a minute. I think over 15 million women to date have taken this quiz. It's a Fit Finder quiz. And in less than a minute, it actually, by answering these questions, helps you figure out what bra is going to fit you. And it's not just about your size or even your rib cage measurements. It's also about the shape of your breast and your build. And Third Love actually helps you find the right bra to fit your breast size, your shape, something that's comfortable that you're not like constantly yanking it around and excited to take it off. So here's their perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear their bras. You can wash it. You can put it to the test. You can see if it's comfortable for you. If you don't freaking love it, you can return it. And then Third Love, they wash the bras and they donate them to women in need, which is also super cool. They have donated over $15 million in bras. That's fantastic. Now, Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for you, for everyone. So right now, they're offering Chalene Show listeners 15% off your first order. If you've already ordered from Third Love, maybe this is your reminder to go back and show them a little bit of love. Maybe you need another new bra. You can go to thirdlove.com forward slash Chalene now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off on your first purchase. My current go-to, which I've ordered in every color, by the way, is called the Classic unlined full coverage bra. Now in full disclosure, I'm going to tell you when you look at this one online, you're going to go, well, that's not that cute. I know it's not like the date night bra. This is the bra that you want to wear that just, it's almost like a minimizer. In fact, I think it is considered a minimizer. Like I swear this bra makes you look 10 pounds thinner. Of course they have really sexy bras too. My favorite, which again, I've ordered in every color is the classic contour plunge bra. These bras are so well-made, you really will forget that you're wearing a bra. So go show your love for The Shalene Show by going to thirdlove.com forward slash Shalene. At the end of that last caller, she said, I had to learn that I could speak my mind or share my opinion and it was okay if people reacted. 
heard that a lot in messages too. People saying like, because of having an addictive parent, I never found my own voice. I just always wanted everyone to be happy. So is that also a common trait of children who grew up in this type of environment where they're just trying to keep the peace, trying to keep the calm, and so they don't find their own voice? Yes, absolutely. And you don't really have time to form your own opinions and vocalize because you're too busy picking up the messes and holding everything together. Do you think the alcoholic parent realizes? Because, you know, as a six-year-old, you're not picking up the pieces and holding everything together. You're not, but you feel like you are. So that is your reality, therefore. Part of me wants these episodes to not just be for the adult child of an alcoholic or the adult child of an addict, but I'm just praying that someone's going to listen to these episodes who needs to recognize the problem they have with drinking or a spouse and that they will begin to understand that like, yeah, a six-year-old does know. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you might be functioning and yeah, you might be hiding it, but they do know. How does a child pick up on these things when, you know, mom and dad are doing it after they go to bed or for that really functioning alcoholic who isn't beating their kids and thinks that, that mm-hmm. every, you know, I'm just, I'm sober by morning. I go to my job. I wait until the kids go down or I wait until I get home from work. Like children understand and see so much more than we realize. I have heard from so many children and teenagers who describe that very scenario. They have functioning parents, parents who are there for them. They pick them up from practice and go to the parent teacher conferences. And they hold it all together very well. But those children and those teenagers feel a lot of worry and anxiety. They see it. So I think that's something to be very aware of. Don't you think children feel it? Yes. Children feel the energy. If they're usually addiction causes a strain on the relationships between the adults in the home. And even if you've made a conscious effort to not argue or have tough conversations in front of the kids, they pick up on things, they overhear things. But the other piece of this is children are learning about addiction and substance use in ways that previous generations never did. So when we were growing up, no one talked about this. It wasn't on Sesame Street. Yeah. But the kids today are looking for things like that and have a healthy understanding of what it is. So the other piece of this for children that I would recommend is if you are an adult child of an alcoholic and you have concerns about this repeating in your family, And it might be a painful conversation, you know, to talk a little bit about what you experienced as a kid, but it's so important for children to understand before they head into their teenage years, when they will have opportunities to try different substances, (laughs) to understand the genetic connection that we have in families to substance use disorders. Yeah. How common is that addictive parent also abusive, either physically, mentally, or sexually? There is a significantly higher risk for all those types of abuse when there's a substance involved, obviously. And the likelihood of the children who experienced these abusive situations growing up and struggling with addiction themselves or repeating those abusive behavior is very high. And that's why the cycle of addiction really has to stop in families. And we're seeing it 
because of what we've talked about today with the increase in awareness and resources available today. So I have heard people say, these are just the cards that I've been dealt in life. I feel really damaged. Mm. This is, I have issues. I have baggage. This is it. Mm. I'm going to just have this life. Mm. And I have met so many people who had that mindset at one time and put the work into changing that mindset and change their lives in ways that they couldn't have imagined. If you've experienced these terrible types of abuse, and they're very common, you have opportunity to kind of reverse the effects of those experiences and move forward. Mm. We also have a responsibility to, don't you think? I mean, you're, if you're here today, yes. you've been given the gift of life. That means there are people who, who need you. Yes. And your life has purpose. And so yes. you have an obligation to free yourself from those chains. Yes. And the most important lesson that it took me so many years to understand sounds very simple, but it's true. Your only job in life is to take good care of yourself. That's it. No one else. And I know it, people who have children, you obviously have an obligation to your children. But your first and primary responsibility in life is to take good care of yourself. And if for people who didn't experience anything like this growing up, it seems very strange. Really? Well, of course it is. But it's very foreign to us because it's just, it has been described. You feel an obligation for everybody else. You put yourself second because that's the way that you grew up and that is the way that your mind is programmed. Yeah. But if you start actually asking yourself that simple question, is this good for me? Is this the right thing for me? That makes decisions about boundaries and major decisions from a day-to-day -day basis to the big stuff much easier. Yeah, it's a template. It's something to press it against. Yes. I wanna play you this message. My dad wasn't like an angry, mean drunk. I mean. I guess I am grateful for that. I know a lot of people that's not their story, but you know, there was still like absence and there was still like, he would only tell me his, what he thought and what he really, how he felt when he was drunk. So I wouldn't hear, I'm so proud of you. You're so beautiful until he was drunk. So those things just didn't mean anything to me. So I did hear from quite a few listeners who, again, their parent or caregiver wasn't a violent drunk, wasn't a violent addict. In fact, oftentimes that's when they became more fun. I heard from a couple of callers where they, it was really confusing because it was normalized that when my father and mother were drinking, that's when we were playing music and dancing and everyone seemed so happy. And so I learned to associate like, okay, celebration, drink. And, you know, I started repeating all of these things and there were so many negatives, but there were also, that's when the household felt light and happy. Help us make sense of that. I think you had a very key word there, and that was confusing. Yeah. So growing up in a household where parents are using substances results in not a, a predictable pattern of behavior. So you're really never sure what type of parent you're going to get, they're drinking or not. So the experiences that adult children of alcoholics have described to me is, you know, they're, they're really never sure how their parent really feels about them mm. because it changes. They might not, like that listener was describing 
She only heard the kudos and the encouragement when he was drinking when he opened up. So it was very confusing for her. And I think that is very common. And because you don't have that stability and that predictability and unconditional love reassurances that you might have in a healthier household, you're always struggling with if that's how they truly feel about you. So another important point there is sometimes people, they hear the stories of the horrific abuse that has occurred in households where there is addiction. And you might think, well, I, I never got hit. I was never sexually abused. I never experienced that. And so you discredit how that environment affected you because mm. you you felt you well people had it much worse than me or uh, so i should appreciate what i did have and what i learned because it was similar for me you know my mother i, I was not a, abused physically or in any other way other than emotionally where i was you know neglected and you know constantly worried mm. so i had i had a lot of emotional damage But like that caller, I always felt like, well, there are people who probably have it much worse than me, and I should appreciate that. And what I learned through all of my education is that I was actually quite affected by all of these experiences and my mother's absence in so many ways. And I needed to understand that so that I could recognize what was really holding me back from creating the life that I want. Yeah. That's some self-awareness that, gosh, like you said, it opens up this incredible potential in your life and you can really understand what it means to own your greatness, but it can be really scary for people. And, but my assumption would be based on the calls that I've heard that the people who are at the greatest risk of never fully reaching their truest potential are the ones who are like, well, my parent is sober and I've forgiven them. And so therefore, we're moving on and we're not thinking about it. And I don't have the right or I don't want to upset my parent to go back and see how this may have impacted me. So what advice or what does that person need to know? The person who's like, well, you know what? It wasn't that bad or I wasn't abused or my parent is now sober and I've forgiven them. So therefore, we're good. So it comes back to that primary question that your only job in life is to take good care of you. So deciding what you need to do to continue on your personal growth journey shouldn't really have anything to do with your loved ones. So I hear from so many people who say, well, you know, I'm afraid to even talk to my parents, you know, talk to my loved ones about this or relive it because everything's okay now. Mm. So just because everything feels okay now doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of healing to do. And it can sound very intimidating to start reading about this or thinking about it, but it is so freeing to hear the stories of others, recognize that these experiences, these memories that you had have really did affect you, and then you're free to move forward. So while it can be a little painful in the beginning, it's a wonderfully freeing and cathartic experience. And I really encourage people to take the time to read the books about the ACOA syndrome and maybe even attend some Al-Anon meetings. Al-Anon is a support group for family and friends of alcoholics. And I was resistant to going to a meeting like that because my image of that 
is that it would be a bunch of old ladies sitting around <laughs> talking about their feelings uh-huh. and it just seemed not productive. And plus, yeah. you know, I was tough and I didn't need to spend time on myself because it's my mother who had the problem. But when I finally went there and I listened to the stories of people who were basically sharing a variation of my story, it was so inspiring because mm. I saw how they heal, they recognize those experiences and move forward. And then it became also a sense of purpose to contribute to this movement by sharing my own story and knowing that that might help someone else in the way that I had been helped to sort of pay it forward. Does Elanon offer a virtual experience? There are some virtual experiences. There's a kind of a broad conference call line. But I really recommend looking in your community. There are in-person meetings that are held in virtually every community throughout North America and throughout Europe. Yeah. That And there's something about being face-to-face with people. I know that when we first started into therapy with, you know, Brett's addiction, there was no way. I'm just going to be honest. There was no way I was going to go. And it was suggested I go to an Al-Anon meeting because I was like, there's no way because this is his story. I don't want to shame him. I don't want to bring shame to the family. I mean, I did seek help, but seeking help in person at that time, I just was too worried about someone recognizing us, knowing me, knowing the story and me bringing shame to our family. I wasn't worried about the shame it might bring to me, but I worried about my kids. I worried about the fact that he was just entering into treatment. Mm -hmm. So I think I would love if you had some resources for us, some online resources, because I think that it just to be realistic, there are those people who are like, I can't, I can't in my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other recommendation that I have is is finding a therapist or a counselor who specializes in this area. Beautiful. Because the ACOA syndrome is very unique and finding someone who understands the common traits and struggles that you have will be so key. So I was so fortunate to find a counselor who was both a recovered alcoholic himself and an ACOA, and he just got me. Mm. He got me in ways that I had gone to see a few other therapists who who listed ACOA as a specialty, but they really didn't understand. And that made all the difference because to be totally honest, I didn't have a good experience with the first few counselors I spoke with because I felt like they just didn't understand. And I was teaching them more about the ACOA syndrome than they actually knew. And so I'm so glad that I didn't stop there because it was extraordinarily helpful to talk to someone who understood. And he gave me a few suggestions that I initially laughed at. The first one was to really think about little kid me, so that inner child focus, which you you might have read, you know, quite a bit about. And I I laughed at him. It sounded like, you know, Jack Handy, deep thoughts. I (laughs) I said, that's really goofy. I'm I'm not going to spend much time on that. And he said, I would like you to take a picture of you when you were seven or eight years old, post it on your refrigerator or your bathroom mirror and think about that little girl, because you should be so mad about how fast she had to grow up and all the experiences that she missed out on because she was a grown up at such a young age. And I said, oh, I'll do it. I did it. And it totally changed my perspective. I looked at that girl, who was me, as a kid I saw on the street. And I did have those feelings. And that motivated me to start doing the things that that little girl wanted to do. 
mm-hmm. you know, to, to do something new every day. I wrote about that in my diary when I was a girl and to write and create and to do these things that had brought me so much joy as a girl that I had buried away as a grown up. And I started doing those things for her, for wow. that girl posted on my refrigerator. Wow. So there's something about finding someone who understands the experiences and might have some very valuable next steps for you. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you said that because it's something we talk about in almost every single episode we talk about therapy because it's had such a profound effect on my life, my kids' life, my friends' lives. Just really think it's the quickest way to get there. Smart people Mm -hmm. go to therapy. But Therapy is with another human. So there's not a scientific process by which you select the right therapist. And all healing, especially when there's another person involved, is about continually looking for a better fit or the right fit, a good fit. And so it's just like going to a personal trainer or a fitness class. Yes. You know, it can be really, really lousy, even though it's called Turbo Kick. It's Turbo Kick in another state and it's a horrible experience. It's you know, it's finding that right fit. So don't give up. I had a great conversation yesterday with a gal who said, I did 20 years of therapy and was still so deep in my struggle. I had five different therapists. And then I found the one. Mm-hmm. And my whole life has changed. Everything has changed. And I think that's probably the right segue so that we can talk about some of the concepts in your book, Seven Things That Change Everything. Can you share with us some of the characteristics you said are really common traits people who grew up in the addictive parent share? So when I was 26, I woke up and I thought, I really have to do something to change my life. I didn't feel hope for the future. I had a sense of dread every day. And I was so frustrated that I hadn't succeeded in my lifelong quest to save my mom from Mm, her problem. mm. And I thought, this is it. So I started reading the books about the adult child of an alcoholic syndrome. I started understanding addiction. And I went looking for books written by fellow adult children. I went online. And at that time, I found so few and I had absorbed everything on the clinical side that I could absorb. And now I, I wanted to hear from real people. And so last year, I published Seven Things That Change Everything as the book that I went looking for and couldn't find. Mm. So it really describes the seven key things that I learned on this journey. And I made it available for free because I feel so strongly wow. that people need to understand that they're not alone and that they have opportunity to really rebuild their lives. That's outstanding. We'll put a link in the show notes, by the way, so that people can check that out at Jody's website. It's jodylam.com, but you don't have to memorize that. All you have to do is just put your hand over the show art, kind of swipe up depending on which app you're listening to this on, and you will see a link to Jody's website and specifically to that book, Seven Things That Change Everything. Can we talk about some of the characteristics There are many common traits that I find in fellow adult children of alcoholics. And it's funny, even in in the workplace, (laughs) I have noticed certain traits about coworkers. And I find out then, you know, sometime later that, yes, in fact, they had, you know, this experience. 
it becomes very apparent. Yeah. Uh, so some of those common traits are never being satisfied with yourself. You oh. might be extraordinarily driven and accomplished and get accolades every day from everyone around you, yet inside you feel like, no, you're just still not quite good enough. And that wasn't quite what it could have been. Wow. So that's I see that quite often. Struggles with relationships and intimacy, you know, trusting. What does that mean? What does that look like? Because I think probably everyone struggles with relationships and everyone can, to some extent, struggle with trust, right? How is it different for a child who grew up with an alcoholic or addictive parent? So because you may have grown up with this lack of predictability in behavior, you might have struggled with reassurance that you have unconditional love from your parent. You might find that popping up in your romantic relationships or your, you know, your platonic relationships where you're not quite fully confident that that person isn't going to decide to pick up and leave one day. Um, so it's that trust level. Huh. Another very, very common trait is codependency, which fortunately is quite a mainstream term today. But that I would say is probably one of the most common that we, you can see. And that is always feeling like you need to do something more for someone else because it's your job. That's the way that I describe it. Mm. That people describe problems and your brain is going 150 miles per hour thinking about what is the solution, what you're going to do to solve it for them, and you're suddenly, it has become your problem. So I see that in the workplace, with neighbors, at church, you know, with all your different social circles. If you find yourself having those feelings or in those circumstances, that is codependency. And there are boundaries and there's really an art to separating yourself from that codependency. And there are fantastic books written about that, including from the kind of the queen of codependency, Melanie Beattie. So I really encourage you to pick up some of those books to understand how you can learn to set boundaries and not make it difficult. Especially if that parent is still alive and still struggling with their addiction. I assume yes. it's very difficult to break that codependency tie. Yes. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, for me with my mother, one of the most common questions I receive is what is your relationship like with your mother today? And it's better than I ever could have imagined. She still lives her life. But when I was so heavily involved in her life, I was preventing her from being an adult. I was really hurting her. And I had no idea I was doing that because I thought I was doing the right thing. So I had to set some very difficult boundaries with her. And it was painful. It felt like I was being a terrible daughter. Wow. And some of my friends, you know, who'd never experienced anything like this would say, Jody, you're crazy. You're being the mom in your mother's life. Just stop it. They couldn't understand. And it was because I had taken on that role from the time I was a little girl. And yeah. so I knew nothing else. So I really had to learn to set these boundaries with her. So for example, I told her I would not take any phone call from her when she had been drinking. Okay. So for about three weeks, she called, you know, every night at you know, eight, nine o'clock at night when she'd already been drinking and I didn't answer the phone. She'd keep calling and calling. Finally, she understood. And we got to a point in our relationship then where then we could actually have normal, healthy conversations that mothers and daughters have. How is work? How are things going? 
And without that anger and resentment that would come if I had been continually reminded of her lifestyle. Yes. How often is that person then repeating the relationship dynamic and looking for, (laughs) subconsciously, they don't realize it, but you end up with a partner where you've got that same codependent relationship. Well, how often do you see this repeating where adult children of alcoholics are then find themselves in a relationship where they're caring for or covering up for or becoming codependent to a partner with an addiction or something else where that codependency is what they know? It is so very common. And there are statistics about the likelihood of marrying or ending up with someone who struggles with addiction. We're just drawn to it. We are magnets to it. Why? Because it's what we know? It's all we've ever known. And it feels good. You know, you feel needed. Now that sounds crazy. Okay, there there we go. When you say it feels good, it's like, how could it feel good? But I think you've just tapped into the root of codependency is we're both getting something from it. When you feel like this person needs you to be heavily involved in the day-to-day to solve problems, it's like you're fulfilling your purpose in life because that's what you had, you know, from the early age. And you just, you feel a level of satisfaction with yourself that you don't normally have when you don't have that yeah. unhealthy relationship going. And it's hard to get out of that mindset, especially if you're already in a relationship or codependency has been present or it's built upon that. But if you really look at your life every day as, am I living for me? It makes it much easier to make decisions for you. So I literally have a piece of paper posted in my office at home and at work and sometimes at other places to remind me that my only job is to take good care of me. Sometimes that's all I need to be able to make the right decision because it is much easier for me to say, oh, sure, yes, I'll help you with that. Or you need me to stay later and and do that even though it's your job. If I can be reminded that I have to prioritize myself, then it's much easier. And talking to loved ones about that is important too. You know, you might be in a relationship with someone who's codependent as well or is struggling with some similar issues. They understand the healing journey that you're on, your personal growth goals, what you're trying to do, that will make it much easier. So my mother understood that I had a need to heal myself. And that helped her understand in those early days of the boundary setting that I needed to do this for me. Yeah. What if your mother, though, or that adult, they don't understand and they're still deep in their addiction, you feel like you're going to tear the family apart if you set those boundaries. How do you suggest someone handle that? Detachment is always going to be difficult. And it's going to feel like you're doing the wrong thing. When you have that feeling, it often is the absolute right thing to do. Mm. And your loved ones might not recognize it today, but they will down the road. And if you have, you know, family or friends who you see are in so much pain living with addiction, sometimes that outside perspective and voice could be all that is needed to help them see clearly. I had a friend who was watching me kind of fall back into my old ways. I had let go of some of the boundaries. 
I had sort of relapsed in my my old way of thinking and in my relationship with my mother. And I had a friend insisted that we go to lunch one day. Okay. And I, I said, well, I have so much work to do. I can't. I, she said, you're going to lunch with me. So okay. we went to lunch and I was describing everything that was going on in, in our lives. And I had set the plan for how I was going to solve that problem, which was my mother's problem. <laughs> and she said, what is wrong with you? seriously wrong with you and she was kind of shouting at me and I, I was taken aback because I wasn't used to my friend talking to me like this I wanted her to say you're such a good daughter a good person or that sounds like the right plan I needed to hear that what I was talking about was crazy wow. and she said you have to focus on yourself and moving forward and you are not the mother and, and I started crying. I remember I had a, I was eating a chicken euro and the tears were falling into my chicken euro. And there were some construction guys sitting at the table next to us and they were kind of nervously, you know, uncomfortable listening to this conversation. But it stuck with me. I needed to hear that. I needed, it was, you know, kind of a, a slap in the face, you know. Wow. So sometimes you need to be that friend to give that outside perspective to say, what you just described is absolutely crazy. And that's why I really enjoyed those Al-Anon meetings in the early days of my journey, because sometimes you just need to hear from other people outside of your family and your circle to say, that is crazy. Yeah. Wow. What are some of the other common traits? What are some other big ones as we're starting to wrap up this episode? And we'll be back talking about this topic again on Wednesday and on Friday of this week. So just check through the show notes. You can look at episodes and you can also search through iTunes now. You can just search those titles and The Shaleen Show. But what are some other common traits that we want to leave people with today? So they're thinking about like, oh, oh, that's why I'm that way. Yeah, I think it's thinking that things are your fault mm -hmm. and that you can control things. And it took me so many years to figure out that my mother's addiction had nothing to do with me. And I think every day, we go through life feeling like we've caused something or we have some ability to control it and we can't. Mm. Your spouse or your friends or your parents might love you with their whole heart, but addiction is a very, very powerful thing mm. and it has nothing to do with you. Mm. And so that is a, an important realization that I think a lot of adult children of alcoholics struggle with. And you know, in the books written about the ACOA syndrome, they go really in depth into all of these traits. And some might feel like they resonate with you, like they're describing you, and mm. others might be not so much. It also depends on your year of birth. Oh, you mean birth order? Birth order. Yeah. So if you were the firstborn. Tell us about the firstborn. You are the, the martyr. You are the responsible one, the adult who takes care of everyone much before you become an adult. The middle child often feels like they're just there, the kind of the peacemaker and not wanting to upset anyone or hold it together. They're sort of forgotten in a lot of ways. Uh, I've, I've heard that described. Huh. And then the, the younger child is often the clown to the distraction, you know, the, the funny one that helps everyone sort of be distracted. That's very interesting because I binge watched a bunch of uh, Netflix comedy shows last week and I'm thinking about how many of the comedians mm -hmm. made reference to the fact that they were the youngest yes. in a family 
and their parent was an alcoholic. I'm like, that's really interesting how many of the ones I watched last weekend, that was their story. So there's a positive thing. Yes. (laughs) Maybe you'll get your own Netflix series. I bet you're super funny. Yes. (laughs) You know, there's a whole laundry list of, of them. I would say the the ones that I've described kind of cover yeah. different issues, but I really encourage people to take the time to read about yeah. those to yeah. really see how they affect what resonates with them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this today. I'm really looking forward to our next chat. And everyone, please check our resources that we've listed for you in our show notes. We've got tons of resources there for you, whether it is you that's struggling and this really hit home. Please know I love you. I mean, I really, really love you. And there's no shame in this. Just get help. If it's you that's struggling with a partner, same thing. Like there's no shame in that, except it's time. This is the moment. This is your sign. There is no good time for this. We don't put this off. I know it always feels like, well, after this happens or after that happens, well, then we'll deal with this. You have to deal with it now. And this is your sign. And we're going to be here on this journey with you. So please leave us a message or a review on iTunes. Let people know that how this episode helped you because now you can search in iTunes. So someone who's who needs help may find this show and it could save their life or change their life, if nothing more. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jody. And where can people connect with you? Where are you most active in terms of social media? So I'm on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You'll find me at Jody M. Lamb. And on my website, jodylam.com, I share about my journey and what I've learned along the way. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to share with you an opportunity to work with myself and my husband, Brett. As you know, if you are a regular listener of The Shaleen Show or you follow me on social media, like family is central to everything that I do. It's how I have lived my life. It's how I've built my career, how we've kept our marriage together. That's been our central focus. It's one of the reasons why I created a journal that would help me to align my life in such a way that I could accomplish all the things that I wanted to do, things that made me feel purpose-driven, made us feel purpose-driven, allowed us to build our business, to do so in such a way that we were able to honor our family. And we've heard from so many of you that you struggle in that area. And that's why we are offering a coaching program that isn't for everybody. Brett and I have decided we want to work with those of you who are go-getters. This doesn't necessarily mean you're a business owner. It means that you have things you want to accomplish. You have goals that you want to master. You want to do something more, but at the same time, you struggle with how to balance that with family. So we're doing something called Push Goal Coaching. You can learn more about it by going to pushgoalcoaching, that's hard to say, dot com. I can't promise you, based on the time or when you're listening to this, that it will be available. We're going to do 30-day coaching sessions. It is a new adventure for us. We've been doing this privately for years, but it's something we realize there's a need for others, something we wanted to make very affordable because this is, we believe, our purpose. We believe we've really figured out a way to do it, and we want to help others by sharing our systems, by sharing how we were able and continue to this day honor our family and still master our goals, but do so with family in mind. So if that's you, if you are a family-oriented person and you're also interested in goal setting and goal mastery, if you're planning on starting a family and you want to know how to set yourself up for success now, 
this is for you. We've priced it affordably under $200 for 30 days of virtual coaching with myself and my husband. To learn more, please go to pushgoalcoaching.com. Hey, 